Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Chrissy Saunders. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me. So I'm Chrissy Saunders. I'm the CEO and co-founder of CS2 or uh, some people know us as CS2 Marketing. And we're a marketing ops agency that focuses on helping growth stage companies with setting up their marketing ops functions or supporting them to be a bit more strategic in that department so that they can really power their their marketing and through that growth. So I think I've been in marketing ops for 11 years now and I started my my career at Marketo. And a lot of our clients are Marketo customers, but it's not like just we're a Marketo shop. So we really focus on the marketing operations itself. And we're pretty like tool agnostic, but just given the nature, I think of my background and some of our past customers, we do support a lot of Marketo clients. I've worked in demand generation roles as well as marketing ops. And six and a half years ago, a little bit more than that now, I started CS2 with my husband, Charlie, who also had a background in demand gen and, and marketing ops and haven't looked back. <laughs> oh, that's so great. My husband's in... He started in sales. I talked him into sales ops. So he had some overlap there as well. So it's interesting. Do you find that you talk shop a little bit around the dinner table or did you set a rule? Because I actually had to set a rule that at certain times, no business. <laughs> it's really hard, I think, where we run a business together and we also do work in the same in the same space. But I agree. We do try and set some guidelines, I would say, but it's hard to not like talk about it all the time. Now that we have a, a daughter, though, we, we find that we try and be at least be present for her and not always talk about work around her. And then also on the weekends, it's uh, we have a rule where like, no work on weekends, no really like talking about work unless it's like really mandatory on the weekends. And it was part of the reason why I wanted to start CS2 because I had a very like poor work-life balance. A lot of the times I was like working on weekends or I was even being told I needed to work on a weekend because I had to do reporting for like my CMO or something on every Sunday so that like he was prepared, just things like that. And I just don't think that that's smart to have people do like you need some time to rest and recover and to stay sharp. And so the weekends are are sacred to me. Yeah, I I feel you there. That sounds so familiar. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are probably nodding. I mean, what's really going to change over the weekend? Sales isn't doing anything. Yeah, just get your reports at the end of day Friday and let's call it good. Goodness. Yeah. And it used to be like a Sunday activity. And then I think the nail in the coffin of that one was like one time I got a message from him saying, oh, I'm going golfing on Sunday. So can you just do it Saturday so that I can like, and so I have, I would have to like rearrange my weekend just to do that. I'm like, this is not right. So, but it feels real for a lot of people. But I think now I'm really happy to see like some of the conversations that are happening around work and how we approach work. And I think that that's actually pretty, pretty frowned upon now. So, so yeah, so I, and I think marking ops, like there's a lot of discussion around that too, of like protecting our time, which is 
kind of how I, why we developed the framework that I'm going to talk about today. Perfect segue. Before we dive in, I just want to let people know I am recording on the road and there may be more signs of life than usual. usual. So appreciate your patience. I'm going to try to edit the audio as well as possible, but these things happen. And I'm still kind of stuck on the uh, work-life balance because I think it's something that resonates so well with people out there. So let's talk about your framework. Let's, if we could get a high level outline and then we'll talk about the inspiration. Yeah. So today when we're talking about the product mops method, it's something that it's like a seven part framework and it's the, each part of it is like the letter in product. So P R O D U C T, but also this method is kind of taking the way that product teams work and then how marketing ops can really adopt that and blend that into the way that we run our teams and the way we approach our work so that we can be more effective with our time and resources, but also being better around like tracking our outcomes and going to more of a continuous improvement process and, and so forth. So the inspiration for the product mops method, and it actually happened more, like just like over time, really. So CS2, so we we have a podcast and newsletter called Forward Thinking. And we do a lot of work with our clients as far as like getting them to kind of elevate their marketing ops function. And a big part of that has slowly been like adopting some practices to help keep them prioritized. And so really, we're big proponents of like having a roadmap for the team so that they can prioritize. So also having a prioritization framework that you can use in conjunction to a roadmap. And then also some other things around like documentation or thinking about the user experience or tracking like really results or outcomes from our projects were all things that we were like talking about, talking about on our podcast, telling our clients to do. Even last year, we did like a lean data workshop and we talked about all of these, like we gave templates for a roadmap, how to prioritize documentation, talking about how important that was. And so then this year, we we're going to present at Lean Data's and create a workshop for them again uh, at their Opstars. And we were thinking, okay, well, we, we've always at CS2 been trying to say like, okay, what's our framework? Like a lot of other agencies have their different kind of methodologies. And a lot of that is tied down to how they do the work. But for me, that's quite tactical because like every there's like ways that you can approach your work as far as like how you're going to set things up. But I think what's really important for a marketing ops group and a leader is to actually like figure out how's their whole team or how are they going to approach like the actual work, like the projects like that they work on. And then the 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 fine tuning or figuring out how you do that technically is important. But I think where, where a lot of marketing ops folks get stuck and where a lot of chaos comes from is like, well, how do we decide what to work on? And then how do we get our resources and teams like tied to that work? And so we have had discussions with even product leaders on how there's parallels between marketing ops with like a product team where you maybe have like, um, you know, your engineers are doing kind of like the tactical setup. You have your product managers or driving the roadmap for them and like UX and like UI team who also think about like the end user and work alongside like product managers. So our, and you're developing products that you're shipping out to an end user. 
And so uniquely for marketing ops, and I know I'm going on a little bit of rant here, but I really want to set the stage here, but is that for, for marketing ops, we're, we're unique where we have two sets of users. We have like an internal user and we have an external user. And so an internal user is your stakeholders, like the people that you're building these products for or processes for. And then your external user, which is your customer. And both of those groups need to be kept in mind, but you're also building features for both. So something might be a feature that you're building to like help people internally or to internal users better do their work. Or some is like where you're actually helping improve the customer experience for your end user. And, and marketing ops sits at like the center of that, which is like really unique, I think, for the business that they do that. And so, but the key thing there is like you're building features. And when we start um, talking about like our work as far as like features that have outcomes or intended outcomes, it also then gets us into a different way of how we approach our work is thinking about it always like improving upon that. So that was the inspiration. Like we kind of already were like getting there. And then one day Charlie and I were doing some work and sitting down and he he said, well, you know, it's, I guess I was like products and, you know, it's like the product team and some people are already doing this. Like, it's not really like grammar, like IT is adopting this model to you. It's not super groundbreaking, but I think getting it into our exact framework and and talking about it, I think sets like takes a lot of what we've already said, like people should do into a framework that really makes sense. That all makes so much sense. And would you agree? One of the things I see folks overlooking, one, during change management, the communication that needs to take place. Marketers are great communicators, but somehow we forget to do that for our own projects. And then the other piece, like you mentioned at the end, is tracking and actually showing your ROI. I think a lot of us are super busy and we just want to jump to the next thing. But when you can say, hey, this change uncovered 3 million more in revenue in the next quarter or something along those lines, that looks one, fantastic on your resume. And two, really provides you with additional ammo for additional resources, budget, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. I can, so I think, yeah, the, so I've, I've kind of talked about product months, but what might make sense is to kind of go through each section as quickly as I can, and we can dive in a bit deeper. Do you think that sounds good? That sounds good. Okay. So I'm kind of, you know, super like passionate about this because I've been talking about it for a while. So if I, you know, for everyone listening, like I'm going to try not to speak like so quickly, but so the interesting thing with the product mops method is like each it's an acronym essentially to you. So like P for us is prioritization, which kind of speaks for itself, but like in like marketing ops, like we, and, and RevOps teams can use this too, but marketing ops, it's, we're building this around it. Cause like I said, what position we're in as far as our internal user and external users, but prioritization is key. Like there's so much to do. Like there's literally boundless amounts of things that you can do and with your team and so much work that ends up like potentially being asked of your team. And so prioritization is like number one, because if we don't have a framework for doing that, it's just like chaos. And the next one that feeds into that is roadmap. And I think that is where it can help you 
actually define your priorities. But a prioritization model can also be framed in a certain way where you can look at, okay, gathering all of the things that come near team's way, but then also thinking about like even scoring. So we have like a template that we use where we actually score based on like, you know, feasibility to be done, like what resource you would need, the impact. So you can look at like high impact, you know, great feasibility like you could do this, that's something that could be prioritized, but also tying it back to a business objective. So if you can take a bunch of your priorities and tie it to a business objective, it's likely you'll end up on your roadmap. So a roadmap is like a shared artifact that your whole team and maybe even a RevOps team can use, but to show like, these are the main projects that we're going to be working on. Of course, there's going to be things that might come up that you need to do. And I would say definitely leave like, you know, 20%, 10% buffer for those, those things that might come up, but your roadmap will actually show like, this is what we're going to be working on. And a lot of the times we suggest tying what's on your roadmap back to business objectives or like departmental objectives. And then Critical. those departmental will go back into the business objectives. And this is all how product teams like also prioritize their their features. Yeah, critical. If I could just inject a couple like add-ons, this is just also wonderful. So for the prioritization, your template sounds fantastic. And most uh, project management tools can easily be accommodated to fit that template. So love that. I've always recommend somebody uses a project management tool and then track the LOE, the number of resources, everything you've just listed. So it's a really neat way to package it up and continue it forward. And I think when teams move from just prioritizing what's in their queue to looking at a roadmap, you're really moving to a more strategic mentality, which gets you a lot more respect within the business because you're no longer just a ticket taker. So I think that's so smart. Anyway, I'll get out of your way. Continue. No, a hundred percent. That's like, that's a great point. Cause like, that's kind of the main thing with like roadmap and the next part, which is like outcomes where I, I think a lot of the times people think, Oh, I have a roadmap. I just have my list of things I need to do. That's not really a roadmap. That's just a project list. And there's no like, concept of like, okay, well, what is this part of? And yes, you're going to have some ad hoc things that come up. Like it's, it's very common, especially if you're in growth phase, but it's key to have your like key roadmap, a set of projects that are lined up to what, you know, the marketing or revenue team's objectives are, but also tracking an outcome. Cause it, it's very, it's very common that like those teams that you're supporting or your whole like business maybe has some key outcomes that they're looking to to do and to improve. And if they don't, like marking off that could actually be a really great resource for having the teams develop them. So a few outcomes, I'll give an example. So one of those for some growth stage companies um, right now is, you know, how do we increase our, our speed to lead process? So like, how do we make that whole process seamless um, from getting someone who's inbound and ready to talk to us over to a salesperson. This is super important right now because we know that a lot of that like buying process that a prospect is having, having is being done outside of being, you know, even entering your database. And once they're ready to buy, they request a demo and then that journey happens. And for a prospective customer, what happens from that moment on can actually potentially dictate whether they even buy from you. Because if they have a poor experience there, it's 
they're likely going to be like, oh, if this is my experience now as a prospect, what's my experience going to be like as a customer? And so that one outcome for the company is to potentially increase your velocity, but maybe also improve that speed to lead process too. So how do we make that more streamlined? And so that might be doing, you know, using like a chili piper or drip bot, or then also improving some of your routing and SLAs and then how you follow up so that it's in line with the expectations of the customer. But having that like outcome that you're tying it to makes it it known that like this thing that the marketing team is trying to do, what you're working on or that feature actually ties in the outcome and you're able to measure it. Yeah. And it speaks to like we talk so much about how so much of marketing and marketing ops is psychology and understanding the key objectives of the company and being able to communicate to them is such a quick way to get people aligned and agreeing that, yes, this should be a priority. So, again, so yeah. smart. Yeah. And some outcomes are are pretty clear. Like I, I would say like one outcome for a growth stage company is always like, how do we increase our conversion from MQL to, to like opportunity or demo, right? Like, and it actually feeds into the last one, which is called team coalitions, which I'll use the T I'm, I'm going out of order now, but for everyone, I said prioritization roadmap outcomes. And now I'm switching back down to T because it's a great segue, but team coalitions I think are great because For a lot of growth stage companies, like you have a certain set of outcomes that are not just like solved in a quarter, are not just solved with one project. And this is why tracking outcomes is great because it gives you a sense of like, okay, what are some key initiatives? That conversion from MQL to opportunity will likely be a goal and outcome that you're trying to improve for a long time through a very long growth stage, because that's super important. And it's also the hardest, like, how do we take all of this inbound demand? And then how do we turn it into people that actually want to talk to us? And it's a real opportunity. I would say even pipeline, right? Yeah. So a team coalition is a group of people that could have their skin in the game or have this as a shared outcome that can then work on these projects together. So for marketing ops, you're a very low resource team. But like you, but then getting people aligned to that outcome or on that project for a long period of time means you can have multiple features and also get those people working together in a way where it's repeatable. So a lot of the times we say, okay, so say we'll take the speed to lead. We say, if a team was working as just teams and not to a coalition, this is what would happen. Okay. Demandgen decides to select drift. So then... Marketing ops then has to say, okay, everyone, like we just launched Drift. Now, SDR manager, you have to be on this call and demand gen person, you need to be on this call. And also web person, you know, this person needs to be on this call. And then they work on a project and then they'll maybe work until it's like meant to launch. And then they disperse (laughs) and nothing happens again. That's a, that's kind of like a team, like a working team that like just got something together. But a team coalition is a team that like will take on that new project, another project that can help improve this objective. And they're all working in maybe different departments, but they they get to a rhythm of always working on continuous, like different features and continually looking at it together to try and drive improvement. So, and also that leads to people working together a bit more effectively because it's not just like, oh, drop what you're doing. You need to do this now. It's like they already know that that might be coming up because they're all working on it together. Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? 
We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Caliber Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. Caliber Mind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more, without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with Caliber Mind at calibermind.com. And they get a bit more creative in additional things they can do to improve too, when they right. know there's a feedback loop that other teams care about what they're seeing. Because I'm thinking through your MQL to opportunity conversion example, there are so many levers you can pull in between yes. point A and point B, you know, and it may start with, well, let's look at conversion by channel. And maybe we put some of these channels back to a nurture and then later down the line, it may be the messaging isn't resonating or we need more uh, competitor intelligence or 20,000 other things. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah. And so um, team coalition, it kind of comes from also like, you know, when you have a coalition for something, it's always a very future thinking like, OK, we're not going to get here overnight. And also these people are coming from there. They have their own other departmental business objectives that working on. But this is one kind of aspirational or thing that we need to work against, kind of like a, you know, clean energy coalition. Like it's not like we're solving that overnight. It's something that we're looking to to improve and finding, I think, those kind of like key outcomes for the department and then tying a team coalition to it also just helps with tracking and, and think about the stories and improvements that could like come out of that. Like it's synergistic, like it's just a great way of working. It's a bit hard now too with COVID with everyone, like not being in like the same room together or anything, but if anything, it means like you need those coalitions even more um, so that you know that it's being worked against. Yeah. So then feeding down into the D is documentation. I could go on like this is another podcast for another day, but documentation is super key for everything. And one of the one of the things that you get into a rhythm of is like you do have your roadmap, you're defining your outcomes, any type of like feature that you're building now. And you think about features or that like you can start having a document and like even at CS2, we say like, okay, we start working on something, we start creating a document that maps out like the stakeholders, our requirements, our timeline, even like our setup. And it's something from the start you work on, not like, okay, let's do all this work and then go document it. Because what happens is we do all this work, don't have any time, didn't document it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, common uh, affliction. <laughs> So start, I think when you have features like any product feature, what goes into that? They don't just go, okay, engineering, go create this feature. Okay, then we're going to like create our, our documentation around it in a customer facing way it does. And I do suggest only creating customer facing documentation until after everything's completed and tested. But you're going to have initial kind of mock-ups or like this is and thinking about like this is the way it should be structured and and then you're going to meet with your engineering team and they're going to tell you oh what's feasible and what's not and so starting that documentation from the start also just makes it easier for just maintaining it over time and then there's technical documentation like I said there's like more like 
customer facing documentation. And when I think about our internal customers, really think about like what documentation or what type of training is really necessary to ensure the success for that feature. And so that might be even finding a champion that lives in their org that actually does the training on your behalf and they can gain trust on it. It's figuring out like, you know, if you use something like a guru internally, like do you house everything there and then teach them how to use a search functionality on it, like within their workflow, like the more things also you can put within people's workflow, the better. So really think about documentation for technical documentation, but also to support your process and effectiveness for your, for your IU, your internal user. Yeah. And I've seen that play out so many times where, like you said, people don't document as they go and then it doesn't get documented. We're then... guilty of it too. Like I'm so guilty of that when I was like a one person oh, yeah. at like a company and you're expected to do so much. I would try and keep things as documented as much as possible, but when it wasn't part of my workflow, then it yeah. didn't. So that's, that's why we like, okay, well, if you start anything, just create a simple documentation and you can even just like loop. There's so many resources now, like you can create a loom video or anything yeah. like that to show yeah. how something's documented. But don't forget on your short little projects where you're touching something up to go back and update the document. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's actually feeds really good into one of our other ones. So I already kind of touched on user experience, so I won't go too much into that. But just knowing that like user experience is really important. So the internal user and the external user. And we always use an analogy of like Airbnb. So Airbnb is similar to Mops where you have your like you know, you have two sets of customers. You have like your user who is like on the back end, like putting their houses up on Airbnb. And then you have the people that are actually trying to rent them. And so like there's there's two different types of ways that you manage both of those end users, but they're both end users. And then Airbnb is in the middle of that. And so that's like an example to think about of like where, where Mops really plays that role uh, thinking about their internal user and their external user. But then the last one is is very, uh, very good to touch on after you said, like, go back and update your documentation. So really, like, and this happens a lot, like we ship something and then we like never look at it again. And this, when you are in a project-based mindset, it's really easy to do this where you don't really think about like continually improving something. But it, it's like, so it's so important. Like there, there's a lot that you can do when thinking about it this way. So like if you're developing features, you get that you deliver on those features. There's also a period of time where you need to figure out and you're tracking your outcomes during that tracking phase, but also in a post-mortem phase is that like you, you can start to think about, okay, how do I gather feedback to do more improvement on this? Because just because you deliver something doesn't mean you're not going to come back to it. And remember, like some key outcomes for the team are long lasting. Like we're going to do as much as we can to build upon that, to hit that, to that outcome. And so really now, like your features will start to really like on your roadmap, there might be a few features that are all built upon each other and then hit your roadmap. But also there leaves some element for continuously improving this. And this might even be like bug fixes, right? Like, so you deliver something and then you realize, oh, we need to make this update. But you can't just be always working on, oh, let's just make this update. Like for if market, and that's what market ops teams kind of feel like right now 
especially in some orgs that have been set up for a while, you feel like you're just kind of like chasing your tail all the time. Like you're just bug fixing, but you don't want to spend a lot of your time doing that. But I think to prevent yourself from always having these like random fires come up is if your team's constantly improving and involving on things. And, and that also means, you know, like updating that documentation. And so I think over time, you'll just notice you get into that rhythm. But one thing that's really important there too, when we think about our user experience or our, our internal users, external users is thinking about how do we get more of like feedback? And that could even be like surveying. So that's something that we're actually um, just starting to work on here at CST with our clients is how do we, de- how do we develop like a surveying system that we can do like going into a project after, you know, deliver a project after a certain point in time when we're tracking our outcomes over over the phases to our key stakeholders, because there's a lot of information that we can get to improve the process. Um, but also it's in a more it's in a more developed way where people know it's going to happen instead of like, OK, we ship something and then we continue to have these little like comments come up or questions or you know, and and this is all stuff that could be deflected. Documentation deflects this kind of stuff. If someone's asking you for something, your roadmap can deflect it. But also for postmortem, if you have like a surveying system or a way to gather feedback, instead of it coming from five different channels, it can be in, in you own that. And so that also helps you with time management. And so the chaotic part of marketing ops can often feel like these things. So you can see a lot of this stuff you know, a lot of the parts of this framework is really like, how can we save time? How can things be feel a little less chaotic? And how can we make sure that like whatever we're working on that time is really going to matter? Yes. And I'm thinking of, I mean, there are a lot of things we do that just demand iteration and a, and a slower rollout. So I think of intent. I think of lead scoring. I think of attribution yeah. reporting, like all of these major projects. Like I've done things as simple as putting a like dislike button on the lead score so that I could get real-time feedback initially, in addition to meeting with key stakeholders. And then you always want to communicate out your successes and get buy into what you're doing. And it's, it's something that should never just be set and forget. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things where you have to check in constantly. Cause it'll and, end up chasing you, right? You'll, yeah. You'll, you can't ever forget cause it'll come and remind you or the next person like after you leave. Yeah. You will be haunted. <laughs> I love it. I do like that feedback of like, of this. so the interesting thing, like you created the like or dislike button. That's a great, that's a great example of you thinking about the internal user and what can I develop in a way to get feedback in a way that works within their workflow but also can, can help, you know, you. And so that's, that's a really good example. Like, I think a lot of the times in MOPS, we, we feel like there's not a lot of creativity, but there's like boundless creativity, like how, like when developing processes, but also thinking about like, there's a psychology aspect, like you said, like to everything that we do, like, how do we ensure that people really do these things? How do we build something that is within their workflow? And so I think spending a lot of time not only thinking about how things are tactically built or like technically built, but really thinking about like the overall experience of how those are going to be, you know, like upheld, maintained, how it impacts the customer. Those are all things that are so creative. And like for me, I'm 
that plays so like I love that. Like I'm the marketing ops person who is always like really thinking about like I just like marketing. I like the way that revenue function works. And I also really am interested in how people think and use things. And so for you marketing ops folks and leaders who like love that, like this is your chance, right? Like it it, it gets you into that more of like a product manager mindset. And for those who are more, more focused on the technical aspects, you are a brilliant and amazing part of the team too. And like your skills should be flexed as well. And you might be amazing at creating documentation or um, also figuring out like how something should be developed. But I'm just saying here, like, I think oftentimes marketing ops folks are always thinking about measuring themselves on like what they know technically, but that's not always the key to success. No, you're absolutely right. And I think I've said it a hundred times, everyone's in sales and understanding psychology, key objectives that you have in common, all of these things can make life so much easier. (laughs) So speaking of internal selling, do you have any recommendations for getting buy-in with the rest of your ops team across marketing, those sorts of things? Yeah, this is a great question. So I do think that to start, and it doesn't matter like, this is going to be a bit hard too for for if you're, you know, an individual contributor and you're like in a massive team, right? But if you're talking to your managers, it could be something that could come up or you could figure out ways where you could even manage your time in a certain way or priorities in a certain way. But I will say like if you're at a growth stage company, if you're a leader in marketing ops and you do have a direct line of contact to be able to get some executive level buy-in, like maybe you support a CMO. The number one thing I think is to get executive level buy-in because the the thing is right now, like you're actually developing a framework for how your team will work. You're saying that you also then need to also potentially build team coalitions, which includes people in the other teams that your CMO supports. And you're saying you need their time so they can actually help back you on that. And change management's hard. Like, you know, I, I think you said change management, but like getting people to actually change the way that they work can be tricky. So if it has the eyes of like an executive or your key stakeholders, it's going to be managed. So like figuring out a way with them to make this maybe even part of like your team's OKR framework or maybe even other people's um, like the other cross-functional teams getting aligned and like how they're really going to benefit helps. So I always think like you said, put on your selling cap, do some education to start. Like maybe say like, this is, you know, this is a way of of working that I think we should, we should try out. I know that can be a crawl, walk, run approach, but I think selling it, whereas like, what's the business value and think about like some, also if you're close to the data, what are some of those potential like outcomes that are really important for your team that you say you want to align your work to. And also for certain companies, like you're very limited on resources. And so know that you just want to make sure that your team is working on the right things and really providing impact. And that's really what a CMO or an executive wants to hear. Like, absolutely. It's very hard for them to get the, the ins and outs of technicalities and some of your projects like by name might not make sense to them. But mm-hmm. when you're really talking about like outcomes, those are outcomes they get, they live and they want to support. And so that's easier to get their their buy-in to make that change. 
yeah, and team members internally who balk at using a ticket system or buying into these sorts of things, if you can think back to something they've been complaining about or care about deeply, like, I have too much to do, there's too much time that I'm spending on X, this is a great way to get out of that hole. And if you can show them that, it goes a long way in getting them on board too. Yeah, it's also a great learning experience for like your team. So if you're lucky to have a MOPS team, you can actually start developing your team members into like little product managers. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say little, but like, you know, just like, and you know, just starting out that way of working. And one of the things too, is it, because it, before when I had teams in house, I would like align someone on my team to a different cost functional department. Because to me, that helped make it so like less overwhelming. It also helped them build rapport with that team. And they like knew the ins and outs. So I would maybe say, okay, you know, XYZ, you're going to get customer marketing, field marketing, you know, whatever. And then obviously we had like maybe some joint projects we're working on as a, as a whole team. But it was a better way to um, ensure there was a direct line of contact for someone. But also the they started to build rapport and get to a synergy with that team of supporting them. And so I think when you have that product manager approach, you can even say like, okay, we're going to tie you to these team coalitions or even like these outcomes. It gets that person really like focused of like, and really clear of like what types of projects are going to end up on their plate. If it's anything that supports the outcome or the team coalition that's tied to that outcome. And also they get more comfortable working with those team coalitions and it's not a different person each time. And so you're really building like a synergy and a relationship there. And sometimes you can even work to make this even more enriching role for them because you can say, okay, well, what outcomes really speak to you? Like what what parts of marketing ops do you really enjoy? Like some might be tied to more of like the trying to get like analytics for better reporting and and that outcome might be like, they just want to make like better decisions on, or, you know, decrease their CPL. Well, like a lot of that would be maybe tied to like, what better insights can we get? An analytical person would be great for that. But for me, I was always like really interested in like sales development, our customer experience, you know, ABM, target account marketing back then is what we called it. And so I would always like position myself in that area. And you'll find that there are getting some of that focus and really getting people working on the things that they really love is a, just a more enriching experience. And in this in this time where marketing ops turnover is super high, getting your team to be working on the things that they really like, seeing the results, feeling that impact having great relationships. Those are all things that contribute and being focused are all the things that can contribute to their overall happiness in that role. And you're less likely to have turnover. I am so glad you brought that up. Any autonomy we can give our employees to choose to work on what they want to do and help make the project list feel a little less overwhelming. It just goes a long way. That's so smart. Chrissy, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you? Yeah. So if you if you're already listening to a podcast and you enjoy listening to podcasts, you can check out the Forward Thinking podcast. It's FWD as in like an email forward colon thinking. You can find it on our website, cs2marketing.com. And you can search me on LinkedIn. I'm just Chrissy C R 
I-S-S-Y Saunders and connect with me there. I'm happy to. Um, and when you are on our website, we do have a weekly newsletter that we do as well. So if you want to stay up to date on just everything, marketing ops and get our tips and tricks, feel free to subscribe. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll regret it. Trust me. <laughs> Wonderful. And we will be adding links to those resources in the show notes and on the website. So definitely do that. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com. 